0: Eternal Kingdom is written by Michelle Roger. This book is edited by Brendan McWilliams. Sound engineered by Steve Nett of Computer Room Services. Graphic novel drawn by Tom Duncan. Music composed, performed, and recorded by Michelle Roger. Eternal Kingdom, Chapter 21. The final countdown to the ringing of the dawn bell clipped away fragments of time. There could be no hesitation in any of Riley's moves or concentration. The sun was coming. Her queen was dying. An entire stadium held its breath, waiting for the conclusion of the game. Rook E6, announced Riley. Eleanor took her place on the other side of Rose. The two women smiled at one another, trying not to give up. Cadell called out, Rook D7. Riley looked to Kevin. I'm pretty sure at this point Cadell thinks he can still win. He has Rose, George, and Eleanor all surrounded. She looked to Micah, her hand still covering the mic. That's where he's wrong. Papa told me to remember that anything that can implode can also explode. Micah stared at the board, nodding in agreement. Leaning into the mic, Riley announced, Rook B6. George was sent to attack the knight to his left. He was tired, and his rope wasn't as effective as he had hoped on the vampire. Evan threw him his bat in a desperate attempt to help the professor. George found his courage, bashing in the knight's head, all the while screaming, One for the many! Robbie held up his hands and began yelling to his audience, rallying the tired, living spectators. The human patrons began to chant with him, Saint George, Saint George, the cheering worked. The vampire was dragged away, and for a moment, George, in his eternity of dedication to medical cures for humanity, came within his reach. He waved to his fans and smiled, but he would never see his work save the masses. Cadell retaliated and called AB6. A lowly pawn from the side of the board disemboweled him with several slices of his talons across George's midsection. The vampire crowd cheered when the pawn refused to deal the final blow to end his life. Instead, the pawn insisted that George slowly suffocate and bleed to death. George lay in agony, unable to speak, gasping for air under the collapsing of his diaphragm. Rose called out for the pawn to finish him, but Jeremiah announced it was a fair, albeit slow, kill. He insisted the game continue. All the while, George sat prostrate on his knees, slowly seeping into the floor. Gravity pulled at his viscous intestines. The vampires below poked at their claws through the grates and tore away at the oozing organs. He stared at Rose and Eleanor in horror. Riley called, Queen B6. Her adrenaline pumping, Rose wanted nothing more than to kill the pawn, torturing George. She took the rope from George's trembling hands. Breaking into a full run, Rose leapt toward the pawn. She landed right in front of him and stuffed the rope in his mouth with her helio gloves. The pond's head burst into flames within seconds. Rose cried tears of anger and frustration. Killing the pond hadn't spared George or slowed the death. She looked back to the eighth row and found Robbie. He looked shocked, and she wondered if he might ever forgive her. She was capable of revenge and murder. They both knew that now. Rose looked to her game master and shouted, Finish it! As the guards dragged the flaming pawn away, Rose broke rank and went to George. He sat with his hands clenched around his exiting organs. His lips were turning blue from lack of oxygen. She wrapped her arms around George's neck, just like she had watched the vampires do in the game. I'm sorry, she cried, kissing George on the cheek. In an act of mercy, Rose broke the professor's neck. Robbie stared hard at the from across the board. Their eyes met. She watched his expression and wondered if he might ever see her in the same loving way. Was she too much of a monster, even under the tremendous circumstances, for him to love? I call Queen B-6, Riley continued. Micah texted the guard to bring the car. Fifteen minutes remained to the dawn bell. The guard did not reply. Micah whispered to Kevin, I don't think the plan was for you to win. I seriously doubt there'll be a car waiting for us, unless it's to take us to the nearest back alley for them to feast on us, Kevin surmised. Cadell moved James as far away as he could from Rose by calling King C8. The vampire side of the stadium were on their feet, applauding their game master for protecting their king. Michael pulled Kevin closer. I'm afraid the opposition will jump onto the field and kill you all he looked to his phone. Still no response. I have a backup plan. As soon as she calls her last move, get her next door to the church. I'll have all of the windows open. No one will dare chase you for fear of the sun. What about you, Kevin whispered frantically. I have to get the champions to safety. Micah smiled, and in a blink, he vanished. Rook E8. Eleanor moved to the eighth row, trapping James. Cadell was staring at the board. Riley called, Checkmate. Jeremiah checked and rechecked the players on the field. The human side of the stadium burst into applause and cheers, jumping up and down and jeering the other side from the relative safety of their sealed-off glass enclosure. Micah made it down to the small room just off the locker room. He called to Robbie and the last remaining players of the human team. Run! In here! Now! Eleanor, the farthest from the point of safety, began to run, but Geraldine was faster. She pounced on Eleanor's back, knocking the young researcher to the grated, bloody field. She screamed as Geraldine began to tear away at the back of her uniform. Rose heard Eleanor, and she stopped running. Turning round, she considered going back. A rage inside her battled for her weakened state. A riot erupting at the vampire side of the stands. The undead fans were livid about losing. When Robbie made it to the door that Micah held open, he turned to grab Rose. What the hell is she doing? Robbie asked Micah in a panic. Evan jumped into the secure side of the room, and his feet didn't stop until he collided with the cement wall. They're going to kill us. We fucking win, and now they're going to kill us anyways. Micah looked up into the vampire crowd. He dialed his captain and shouted into the phone. If you ever want peace in this century, make sure the human patrons are sealed in. They just have to wait a few more minutes until dawn. Protect the locks! Robbie ran towards the approaching sea of claws and spiteful vampires that rushed the field like a surfer headed into a tidal wave. He wondered if his eyes were playing tricks on him. The faster he ran towards Rose, the faster she ran towards him. Eleanor must surely be dead, but how was she running towards him so quickly? Closer. Faster. Closer. Robbie stopped for a split second as Rose was about to run him over. Soon he, too, was flying as fast as she was. When he looked around, he nearly punched James in the face. She's dying, James shouted. I can smell the death. In here, Micah called to the three of them. He dared not tell them the sweeping tsunami of death that was about to engulf them if James didn't run just a little bit faster. The vampire mob was running towards any human whom they could take out their revenge upon. They wouldn't stop to spare tearing apart a fellow vampire to get to them. Robbie heard the door shake like thunder as the wave collided with the locked door of their room. In their small concrete room, the boom sounded like an explosion, as a moving wall of charging vampires collided or jumped up onto the sides of the glass walls of the human area just above them. All celebrating inside, the glass enclosure had abruptly halted, as human patrons watched the charge headed straight for them. The vampires leapt on the glass and pounded their fists, stomped their feet, and raged for blood. Like ants on a dead animal, they plastered the glass on all sides, looking for weak points in the seals. "'checking for the locks, clawing and slashing at the thick barrier. "'Who made it back?' Robbie shouted, over the noise as he looked around the room, "'trying to catch his breath. "'He watched as James lay Rose on the bench. "'Mike aside, you, Rose, Evan. "'Kevin and Riley texted their safe in the church next door. "'That's all of us?' Robbie asked, desperate. "'He stood with his back against the wall. "'He could feel it vibrating.' The chiming of the dawn bell could be heard just outside. The chaos and the pounding of the blood-driven vampires merely escalated. James interrupted. Can you smell it? he asked Micah. You'll be down one more if you or I don't do this right now. Here? Micah seemed revolted by the notion. What What does he smell? Robbie asked, confused. Death. Vampires won't attack a dying person because there's no life-giving attributes to benefit them. In fact, it may weaken the vampire. Robbie dropped on his knees at the bench and held Rose's hand. It's okay. They're going to fix it. No worries. Robbie looked to James. Micah says he has a plan to get us out of here, so can you do it? I can, but I promise you, death would be better for all of us, James warned. I'm filled with self-loathing every night I have to go out and feed. Robbie looked at Rose. I'll send her to a shrink, he joked in desperation. James picked Rose up and placed her in Robbie's arms. Gently brushing away her hair, James closed his eyes and bit Rose just behind the ear. He jerked away in revulsion. Ugh, that's awful. I've never tasted someone so close to death. He spit her blood on the floor. James and Micah exchanged glances and nods. Before Robbie could comprehend what was happening, Evan was sinking to the floor with a tiny trickle of blood running down his neck. James smacked his lips. That's better. Micah stood over Robbie. Sorry, mate, he said through a very terrible forced accent. But if I leave you here alone with these two, you're a dead man. Robbie saw a blur of color, felt the pain in his chest, and then fell into blackness. He could hear everything in the blackness, yet as soon as he heard it, he forgot it. There was a closing of the door as James and Micah left. Robbie's living mind wondered where they would go. There was something coming. Another part of him, a new part, told him not to worry. As Rose, Evan, and Robbie transitioned into immortality, another metamorphosis was happening above them in the stadium. There was the sound of cracking and pounding erupting into the shattering of glass. A few humans made their way to the window tops of the old meatpacking house and clung to the metal grates as their bodies were bathed in the protective sunlight. Others were not so fortunate. Many humans, packed in, trapped and bleeding from shards of broken glass raining down upon them, were a feast for a swarm of vampires that enveloped them. Women screamed as they were dragged down to the holding chamber and devoured in relative darkness. Some vampires took hostages and made them wait the agonizing hours of the day until the night fell again. Three nights passed and every human who would watch the game had either been drained of their blood, turned in the chaos, or kept for a future meal. As Robbie, Rose, and Evan woke to their new selves, they stepped out into the Detroit night. "'Ceremoniously, small groups of vampires were feasting on their human hostages. "'The smell of blood and fear was intoxicating. "'The three began to follow the scent in the hopes of a first feed. "'A screeching of tires erupted in the alley. "'A Mercedes with pitch-black windows flew towards them, "'narrowly missing them and smoking its tires. "'The back door opened and James grabbed Rose and Evan.' When Robbie leaned in to protest, he found himself stuffed in the back as well. The car took off as the door slammed shut. James smiled wildly. So sorry, I realize you three could use a proper meal. Half of the residents in this city will be slaughtered by morning. While you're members of the undead now, it's not safe for you. We don't need you three added to the numbers when they find out who you are. He paused. Or rather, who you were. You may be one of us, but you did make vampires laughing stock of our global society. Micah was driving fiercely as James tried to catch up after being gone for three days. He stopped to yell at Micah. You're going the wrong way! That group may have recognized them, Micah argued. There's no time left for Kevin and Riley. He texted an hour ago saying he wasn't sure if the parish priest had been killed or turned, but they had heard commotion near their hiding place. Either way, their time has run out, James insisted. What are we going to do? Put them in the murk with the three newly turned vampires in the back seat? James thought for a minute. Drop me off. Maybe I can protect them long enough for the three of them to feed. We'll have to hope that their will is strong enough not to murder their friends when you come and pick us up. Michael weaved in and out of the back alleys. Overside streets filled with gaggles of young vampires traveling in small packs. As they rounded the corner near the church, Micah slammed on the brakes. A woman had jumped from her apartment balcony and landed on the hood of the car from three stories up. She looked stunned and broken as she stared at Micah through the windshield. Rose threw her head back as the smell of human blood hit her senses. Robbie could feel his body begin to tremble at the rush of the bloodlust. Evan pushed the handle of the door and was out before anyone could object. He pounced on the hood and the woman, unable to contain himself once the scent overtook him. She screamed, attracting little attention in what had become commonplace in the last 72 hours. So much for teaching them to feed discreetly. Help Rose and Robbie feed and get him back in the car. I'm going in for Riley and Kevin. James disappeared into the old Detroit church while Micah tried to corral Robbie and Rose. As Evan drank from the thrashing woman on the car, he was rudely interrupted by a strong hand, ripping him off of her. He landed on the concrete with a thud that was surprisingly not painful in the least. "'That was mine. I tracked her all the way to the balcony,' said a hideously ugly vampire. He was clearly very old, with crustaceans or barnacles living on his face and hands. He hissed at Evan, barring his teeth angrily as he continued to rant. I like mine half-broken. They don't fight so much when their backs are broken. Now learn to share, or I'll tell the new queen on you. She doesn't like those who take the lion's share for themselves. Evan, slightly recovered mentally thanks to the life-restoring blood from his stolen prey, was quick to think, Sorry, man. Uh, Detroit's a party. Food's everywhere. I thought food was falling from the sky. He hedged knowing full well that the more experienced vampire could probably kill him in a few short seconds. The crusty vampire wiped a greasy wisp of long hair from his face and began to laugh. Man from heaven, I see your point, young one. Learn your manners, or the authorities will force you to play a game. They both laughed, the old vampire gregariously, Evan nervously. As Evan slowly made his way to the Mercedes, Micah had found an old couple hiding behind a bunch of construction remnants near the church dumpster. Homeless and living off the charity of churchgoers, they were well concealed. Micah instructed Robbie and Rose on the finer points of discretion, and left them to their victims. He returned to the Mercedes and was relieved to find Evan inside. Evan recounted his encounter with the strange ancient vampire. Micah drummed his fingers on the steering wheel anxiously. If a queen had taken up some form of power, all the more reason to gather up Kevin and Riley and get the hell out of Detroit. Fires were beginning to glow as humans organized to retaliate. Two men stormed out of the apartment building across the church with shotguns to claim the dead woman on the hood of their Mercedes. Micah and Evan watched as they fired at the crusty vampire and his friends. The men fired slugs, taking turns shooting and reloading. Krusty and his friends slowly walked towards the two rebellious men. The faster they pumped lead into the slowly encroaching vampires, the larger the grins the vampires wore. This town is becoming a war zone. What the fuck are Robbie and Rose doing? Kill the old couple and get on with it. No sooner had he said it than Rose and Robbie came into the site, emerging from the church alley. They jumped in the back seat with Evan, Rose, wiping her mouth on her sleeve. She checked Evan and Robbie, explaining that she didn't want to scare Riley any more than they had to. Micah texted James, It's safe. Get out here and hurry. This place is going to hell fast. Inside the church, James struggled to catch the scent of human blood through the thick incense being burned at every corner of the chapel. He was surprised to find how very effective the smoky offering was in throwing him off. He texted Kevin, but there was no response. Analyzing the structure, he surmised that Kevin would likely have tried to hide Riley up and away. He would talk them into a tiny section near the attic and wait. James found the door to the choir loft and bounded up the stairs, calling out for Kevin and Riley openly. The chaos of the near riot outside was growing louder. James listened intently for any response inside the church. As he stood at the precipice of the loft, the door opened ever so slightly, and a frail hand clung to the doorknob. A priest, standing with blazing eyes and blood-soaked robes, invited James in. He dropped to his knees and began to pray over a body that James regretted that he recognized. They thought it would be fun to see how long a priest could resist temptation, he whispered. I thought I would hide myself away until the Heavenly Father found me fit to enter the gates of heaven. But there they were, the two of them were hiding, and I could smell their blood. I could hear their hearts thundering under their chests. It was as if Lucifer entered my body. My only salvation is in that moment of the utmost evil. I chose the older man over the pure child, he confessed. Where's the girl? James said coldly they they took her who james shouted his eyes blazing under the erupting temper who took the girl she she said she was the queen the queen of vampires she took her as her subject for her for her eternal kingdom